This week on the show, our pop culture references, we discuss the new Studio Ghibli film, The Boy and the Heron, and fortune cookies. It's December 2023, and you're listening to Lunchbox Reaction. Welcome back, everyone. Hi. Hi. This week, we have Evan. That's that's me. <laughs> and we have Ryan. That's me. And we have Linnea. That's me. Hi, Linnea. Hi, Evan. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Hi, Linnea. How's everyone doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Winter drumline is exciting. We've gotten our show music this week, so we're getting ready. Hopefully, we might win the world championships again. That would be fun. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Linnea, <laughs> do you think your color guard will win the world championships? Hmm, I don't know. Hopefully. One of our practices a while ago, like there were people who walked in our room and like somebody broke one of their toes, apparently. Ah. What? Yeah. From the color guard? Yeah. They broke their toe? Or, well, it was like they maybe broke their toe. I don't think she broke her toe. I think she just had a rifle land on her foot and it hurt. Oh, okay. Alright. So for our pop culture news this week, uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. You sound excited. Uh, this isn't really that exciting. Oh, it's never just interesting. If you listen to probably a few of our episodes, you know I play a lot of Roblox. It's a game that I play the most of. And just recently, Roblox, in a f- few specific games, allowed for people to start swearing. So now if you want to just go on Roblox and say curse words... Just go on to a few specific games. Apparently, you need to like have an ID to show that you're over 18, and then you can swear. Hmm. I don't like it. Roblox is trying to appeal to older audiences, but they're not working. Like They try to switch the avatars from what everyone knows Roblox as to just weird, lifelike, but also not lifelike characters. And it's just really creepy. What's your news, Dad? My news is about a book that came out this past year that I think we should probably read and discuss. Uh, We've talked about the previous two books in the series. It's a series by a gentleman named Peter Brown. Oh. And the third book in the robot series. (gasps) It's called The Wild Robot Protects. Good for it. Yeah. And it came out this year. I don't remember hearing much about it or even seeing it. I was walking through a bookstore yesterday and I saw that it was out, but it was bundled with the other three books. Like you couldn't just buy it by itself. Oh. I I don't know. My guess is that's because it's a new book and everyone already has the other two. So they're just buying the individual copies. So yeah, I'm going to have to look for that. and Maybe we could read and review it. Yeah. My news for this week is that COP28 happened. And what's that? It's, uh, let me look it up. I went to Earth Club this week, so that's how I figured out about it. Did you say Earth Club? Yeah, I went to school early and I saw my friend. I was like, hey, where are you heading? He's like, Earth Club, why don't you come with me? And so it was like about environmental politics and stuff. So the COP28, it's like an important political conversation between lots of countries about like environmental stuff. And so (laughs) it was in Dubai, and then all the countries agreed to, like, start moving away from fossil fuels. So that's something. 
Did all of them agree or did just most of them agree? No, everyone there agreed. Wow. I'm sure there's going to be some countries that don't, though. Well, yeah, I don't know if all the countries are in this conference, so hopefully we don't get pulled out of it like last time. (laughs) Hopefully it makes a difference. Should we move on to our main topic? Sure. (laughs) Okay. So this week we are talking about The Boy and the Heron, the new Studio Ghibli Hayao Miyazaki film. So this has been rumored to be Hayao Miyazaki's last movie, and it basically is semi-biographical, and it follows a story that is somewhat realistic to his early life. The story is about this boy named, what's his name? Maito. Maito. As he moves to another city during World War II in Japan and meets a weird heron that really freaks him out. And then all of a sudden, he's in some weird world of magic and stuff. That's basically the story. The music was done by Joe Hisashi, like it is on most of Hayao Miyazaki's other movies, which means that the music is really good. And the animation has remained the same from every other Studio Ghibli movie, which is refreshing after that last one that they did in 3D. So I I really enjoyed it. I thought all the art and backgrounds especially were beautiful this time. And if I had one weird thing about it, it felt both like a fever dream and really slow, kind of, which is fine. Yeah, uh, uh, when you said that all of a sudden he found himself in a different world, I was going to jump in there, but I didn't. I was going to say, did did he really find himself there all of a sudden? Because it seemed like, to me, it just... It was quite a while in the movie before before there was any uh, otherworldly stuff. It, and in most movies, I could like figure out what the plot is going to be after watching the first few minutes. And this movie, it took me like 30 minutes before I could figure out anything that was going on. And even when I thought I did, I just kept getting surprised by what happened. How long was this movie? It was over two hours. Yeah, because I felt like it had been so long. Like, I knew he was going to end up in a different world, but I felt like it took so long to get into that. So I was like, maybe the other world isn't as big as a part as I thought it was. But most of the movie still took place in the other world. Yeah, no, it's only two hours and four minutes long. Spirited Away is one minute longer than it. Really? Yeah. Wow. This movie felt a lot longer than Spirited Away. It did. That's surprising. Do you think that that's because the plot was more kind of all over the place? Yeah, I still don't really know exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it'll take rewatching it several, several times just to understand what happens in a different perspective or like more accurate way. If this is like semi-autobiographical, <laughs> I'm kind of concerned about Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, like, did this... <laughs> In what sense did this happen to him? I think it was that he did move to the country. His father was a... His father owned an airplane facility. Yeah. His mother was sick. But, like, where does all the otherworldly stuff come into play in his life? I mean, could it be a kid's imagination? I mean, when you were younger, did you imagine yourself in other worlds? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did. So, maybe, maybe that's where it came from? I guess. But I guess it makes sense why he created all these movies, because if that's what he was seeing as a child. <laughs> There's something that was like really calming about this movie. 
Yeah. I don't know. I was. It didn't make sense, but I was also just like happy to go along with the ride because it was like so like chill and peaceful. Even though the story didn't make much sense, like every time you think about it, there's like a different part of the movie that pops out that's interesting to think about. Like okay, so name one, or it, I guess we don't want to go into spoilers too much, do we? Yeah, no. Haven't seen it. There's an entire big random tower that nobody knows how it appeared well yeah nobody knows how the tower appeared unless you watch the movie and then yeah there's also like the random heron that we never really find out who he is or what he is or why his number seven flight feather matters (laughs) as much as i really wanted to like this movie there were a lot of things that just felt so disjointed about it like there'd be scenes where we're watching uh, Maito talk to someone and then suddenly there's a subsequent scene where it seems like that conversation never even took place and and he's in a totally different location I would find things like that really disconcerting you don't know what actually happened or what actually <laughs> didn't happen yeah I was wondering about that are, are some things real and other things imaginary because there's some scenes in the movie where, where that does happen where something happens to Maito and then and then you realize, no, that was just a dream. But then, or was it a dream? I don't know. Yeah, because something something happens that like was also happening in the dream, and you're like, oh, it's very strange. It is. It is very strange. It reminded me of a movie that I watched back in college called Akira. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it had the same feeling for me in that I watched it. And it was really cool, and the animation was great, and and I had to watch it about three more times before I actually understood what the heck was going on. <laughs> it was just so strange. And I felt like that coming out of this movie. It was, the backgrounds were lush and vibrant, the animation was top-notch, like you always expect, but I just, I had so much trouble following the story, and I kept... Yeah. I kept thinking, okay, in a in a few minutes they're gonna finally get to the story. Okay, now in a few more minutes they're finally gonna get to this. St- okay, okay, this is happening. Okay, now I can tell that the story is coming up. Um, mm, no, um, and it just kind of for me it just kept going on like that. And I'm thinking, okay, and then and then I thought, okay, now we're finally in the story, and it'd be going along, and then suddenly there's a hard right turn, and then something different happens. And like, okay, no, wait, what? This movie keeps defying expectations over yeah. and over again to the point where it just becomes like you don't expect anything to happen that you would have expected to happen at the start. And to me, by the end of it, I felt like there were lots of missed opportunities. Yeah. Especially with how some of the characters related to each other. Uh, you know, Maito meets some various people. And again, I don't want to give away spoilers and things, but he meets some various people who who are important to him in his life. And yet it's just kind of glossed over. You know, like if I met, if I went to a strange world and I met someone who I knew was such and such, I would be like, oh my gosh, I want to talk to you. I want to, you know, and it's just, in this movie, it's just like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I I felt like there were so many missed opportunities for exploring some dynamics or, you know, relationships. And <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. And I feel like there is like the counter for everything that is just it's because it's being perceived in the mind of a child. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know whether that actually fits as a reason to use that. But I guess it does. I, I, I don't think we'll really understand the point that Hayao Miyazaki is trying to get across until the we watch the movie again and again. Another thing, too, is that the American title, The Boy and the Heron, um, the actual title in Japanese is How Do You Live? I don't know if you knew that. I did not. And that was the name of a book that he finds. And so, you know, knowing that throughout the whole movie, I, th- I kept thinking, okay, this is going to be like a a meditation on how do you live? And I kept watching the whole movie like that. And it just, again, I kept waiting for something. And I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, How Do You Live could be a title, literally, like any movie. Right, yeah. Like, Die Hard could be How Do You Live. (laughs) How Do You Live. Or Everything Everywhere All at Once could be How Do You Live. You know what? Even Elf could be How Do You Live. (laughs) I think that that's an interesting title because it does, it once again puts another take on this movie. Mm -hmm. What did you guys think of the whole, like, World War II aspect of it? Like, all the tanks and japanese militarism i mean it was fine i i you know he experienced it so you know, it was a way for him to get his mechanical things in yeah he always likes planes and mechanical things and flying i wonder why yeah i've still i've always wanted to see uh his other movie the wind rises and i haven't seen that yet that's the one where the guy makes planes yeah yeah I could watch that and review it I've watched um, a lot of videos about, like, Hayao Miyazaki, and, like, he's very much, like, against war. Oh, yeah. Like, completely just hates it. And he was, like, he was actually, like, not expecting a lot of his movies to do well in America because, like, I don't know, because we, like, kind of glorify fighting a lot. I feel like there's a lot of fighting in his movies that always ends up being senseless fighting. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, fighting has no purpose. I mean, Nausicaa, the Valley of Wind is so much like that. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Howl's <laughs> Moving Castle, too. It's mm-hmm. just a war. Oh, right, yeah. We even see it, like, a little bit in this movie, too. I think a few times. And, like, there's, like, one fight at the end where it, like, leads to, like, a whole thing being destroyed. So. You know, it's outright said in the movie by one of the characters that, you know, it's in your hands to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I think, Great theme, great idea. I just wish it had been somehow expanded on more or made more of a focus because it just seemed like just so subtly put in that it was, you know, you, it kind of a blink and you miss it. Oh, yeah. Also, Princess Mononoke has like that, a war vibe. This movie, there's it's just so much stuff in it. Like, the, there are characters that get introduced at the very end. That we've never even heard of yet, and they still play an important part in the story. Mm-hmm. Like we don't we don't know anything about these characters. Kind of like show up and kind of like the Wizard of Oz. In a yeah, way. yeah, yep. I I can see that. <laughs> like you're you're making a journey to somewhere, but you don't know where. All you have is like one little goal that branches off to become an important thing in a bunch of different people's lives. And I don't know if it's just that I've seen Miyazaki movies so many times, but I found I found so many scenes to be reminiscent of scenes in previous movies. Yeah. I kept thinking that. Just like, very... Oh, yeah, like 
the the Totoro path under the mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep the Totoro path. There were times when um, when he was climbing walls on vines, and I'm thinking, oh yep, Castle in the Sky. <laughs> that might be the we- reason why they branded this movie so much as like his last movie, just because his re- it's reminiscing on his life and like th- his movies too. So it might as well. Though, so, do you guys think it's going to be really his last movie? Who knows. I think it's going to be the last that he mostly works on. Like, he's not going to direct any other movies, but he's definitely going to be parts of them. But this is his, like, last master piece of art. I know you mentioned Cho Hisashi, but but we should talk about the music a little. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Every time I was watching this movie, there's, like, a few specific musics that I, like, point out and be like, oh, yep, that's I'm going to listen to that now. Yeah, definitely would catch the music. Like, there's some movies I watch and I don't remember anything about the music. This movie, I, like, I heard the music. Yeah, yeah, the music is an integral part. I can't remember the melody, like, off the top of my head, but I remember hearing, like, one theme over and over again. Yeah, I call that the heron theme. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime you get these few piano notes lead in, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, that's got to be the heron coming up, (laughs) because that's the heron theme. And, like, the first time they play it, it just starts with one note. And then, like, it slowly grows every time they play it. Now, we went and saw this in the theater, and I got to ask, did you think the sound in the theater was kind of funny? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, oh, I don't know. Like, mostly it was just the dialogue. I mean, the music sounded fine. I think. But the dialogue sounded like it was just coming from one little tiny speaker in the front of the theater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then the music would come in, and it would swell all around us. I was like, boy, there's something goofy is going on here. The theater that day that we were in was just very awkward. They didn't show ads before the movie was supposed to start. Well, that's good. I mean, I don't mind. Well, we had to ask them to turn on the monitor. had to ask the manager, and then they still showed ads while the movie was supposed to be playing. (laughs) Yeah, but at least we got to see Nicole Kidman. I mean... Uh, Yeah, that's (laughs) the only good thing about that. But, yeah. So the projector wasn't on. The sound was wonky. I feel like if if we just saw this in maybe a better theater, it would be better. I like the way that... In Studio Ghibli movies, like, certain characters can, like, slowly, like, turn into, like, looking completely different. Like, because, you know, it's like when the heron was, like, first introduced, just normal bird. But, like, over the course of, like, half an hour or so, like, it slowly turns more and more into, like, a weird monster-looking thing. And it's not like all of a sudden it changes. It's just, oh, what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, the same in Hell's Moving Castle with, like... Sophie's slowly turning older and older, and it's never like one scene where she like turns completely old. Yeah, I mean, he he really plans out his movies and his shots and the all the artistic elements. I mean, it's just you know he is the master of animation. There's there's no doubt about mm-hmm. that. I mean, you look at the backgrounds and they're just you know they're just lush paintings. You could. You could take some of those scenes and frame them and put them on your wall. I mean, they're just so gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah. And then what's funny is is you look at some of those and they look so realistic and then you put the characters over them and you'd think that it would be so out of place, but yet, you know, it just works. Yeah. Some of the things I liked about it, I liked that if you pay close attention to what people are wearing, you notice that one of the, like, you notice something about one of the characters. Oh, Yeah. Like there's an there's an old lady, an old woman, and she's wearing a very you know very particular, yeah you know, I don't know dress kimono that has a 
particular design on it. And if you pay attention, you see that design being worn by by someone else. And then by the end of the movie, you you know you realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. I also thought in the very opening scenes of the movie, I'm just going to say there's a fire, and you know he wakes up and there's burning there's like burning ashes or pieces of paper falling. Yeah. And then maybe two thirds, four fifths of the way through the movie, there's a another major scene, and again we see burning paper, ashes falling, and I thought that was a really neat callback. Mm-hmm. You know, and just how those things are connected. So I thought that was I thought that was really cool. If it is all in his imagination, it does, it would show trauma, too. A lot of parts of this movie were like really quiet. Or like mom would say that there's parts where it's like whole minutes of just nothing but people walking like on hardwood floors. Yeah. Like all you hear is their footsteps and you can see their mouths moving. I've only really seen this before in Studio Ghibli movies, but like you'll see their mouths moving and you'll hear certain things like their footsteps, but you won't hear what they're saying at all. Yeah. There is one scene. There's kind of a climactic scene and they were being chased. And, I know that's, and that that really stood out to they me. They ran into a room, and you could see the boy obviously like screaming something, and there was no dialogue. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, "What in the heck?" And then he turns and runs, and then you know whoever's chasing him comes. And then by the him. sound only comes in when the person chasing them comes through. Yeah, I was like, "What?" That was really bizarre. But uh, yeah, going back to uh, the walking on the boards and taking the shoes on and off, that reminded me so much of uh, of Totoro again. Mm-hmm. Where they're, you know, they go to the house and you got to take your shoes off and, you know, all the floorboards and they're scrubbing and, oh, yeah, it's just so traditional Japanese. Smoking. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of smoking. <laughs> smoking. People really want their cigarettes, <laughs> their tobacco. I, I like how the boy never smoked. He just used cigarettes to get what he wanted out of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was pretty smart. He's a smart kid. He was able to create a bow and arrow all by himself. I don't understand how people do that. And we got to see little uh, little white marshmallow <laughs> floating oh, so cute. things. Yeah. <laughs> Miyazaki likes his strange, fantastical creatures. And birds. <laughs> and birds, Lots yeah. Of there's birds a, there's a lot of birds in this A lot movie. of birds, yeah. Bird army. Yeah. <gasps> some birds are sentient and some birds are maybe sentient? It seems like they're all sentient. I mean, the pelicans were talking. Well, some of them just seemed like the seagulls from Finding Nemo. And some of them seemed like they actually were able to talk. So who knows? Yeah, again, kind of lamenting the missed opportunities. that I Like, I think the whole hallway with all the different doors. That was so cool. Yeah, I... I mean, it, it's like we see it in passing. We we learn about it a little bit. I mean, I just think there was so much more that could have been done with that. Anything else, or should we wrap it up? I think that's about it for me. Yeah, I think we can wrap it up. Okay. Ratings? I, I guess I'll just go first. I'm going to give this movie a 8.5 out of 10, because it's still as beautiful as ever. It's such a great style, and the music is amazing. And I could see it becoming my comfort movie, but that's the thing. I need to rewatch it multiple times before I really think I'll understand what's happening. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to give it like a 9 out of 10 because, I don't know, I just thought it was so pretty. I thought it dealt with like 
the story wasn't super clear, but I thought it had a lot of really good themes that I was still able to pick up on, like, what he was trying to say about the world. It was, like, just kind of a relaxing time watching it, and it was really cool to be sucked into this, like, fantasy world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, I'm glad you two went first. Uh, (laughs) I don't know, I've been thinking about this since last night, and I just, I don't know, this movie just didn't, work for me that well I mean I love the animation I love the the artistry of it the music is great but I think the story was just I don't know for me it just felt so disjointed and I was never really sure where it was going and to me there were so many missed opportunities uh, so I think I'm just for me personally I'm going to give it a six and a half okay Alright, now it's time for... Fortune Cookies! An interesting sports opportunity is in your near future. Sports? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so like Color Guard's the yeah, sport. Yeah, that's so. what I was thinking, Color Guard. Yeah. It's the roving bee that gathers the honey. The what? The what? Roving. The R-O-V-I-N-G. The roving, roving. bee? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. You gotta rove, Evan. It's like the only... The early bird gets the worm. The roving bee gathers the honey. Gathers the honey. But don't they gather the pollen and then make the honey? <laughs> no. Dad, they gather the honey. Oh, okay. So they're raiding other bees' hives. It's bee secrets. I guess. Uh, my fortune this week is, someone is speaking well of you at this very moment. Dad, <laughs> I think you're just really cool. You know, you're just a great guy. There we go. And now... Someone is speaking well of me at this very moment. Is someone like going to be eternally speaking good of you every moment? I don't know. I guess as long as I keep holding this fortune and reading it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll put it in my pocket. <laughs> That's a really good one. It's your good luck fortune. That wraps up this week's episode of Lunchbox Reaction. If you enjoyed our show, or if you didn't enjoy it and want to tell us what we should improve on, you can find us on the web at lunchboxreaction.net. And you can email us at lunchboxreaction at gmail.com. As always, this has been Brian. That's me. <laughs> Evan. I, last time I checked, that was my name. Yeah. And me. <laughs> and we'll see you next week at the lunch table. Uh, at, at the, the lunch, lunch table. table. At the lunch table. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.